The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, gentle listener. Michael Kist here with a quick note about today's show. What you're going to be hearing today is part one or the first half of BGN Radio 126 with Jimmy Kemsky and Brandon Lee Gowton, covering two teams from Jimmy's excellent Dumpster Fire series. Those two teams are the New York Football Giants and the Washington Football Team. In part two, which will be released soon, you'll get the second half of the show, which focuses on the Dallas Cowboys. The reason for the split is due to some technical issues on my end. It's too boring to explain. And I apologize for the abrupt ending to this show and the cold open to the next one. Thank you for bearing with me on this, and we appreciate the support as always. So with that qualified, BGN Radio coming up, episode 126, part one. Let's go. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on everybody it's bgn radio episode number 126 with me as always is brandon lee gowton of bleedinggreennation.com i am jimmy kemsky from phillyvoice.com brandon what's going on buddy jimmy i want to start us off with a song special guest appearance here by the one the only alan williams Okay. It's the most wonderful time of the year with Jimmy's Dumpster Fire Series featuring <laughs> vitriolic trolling. You'll be of good cheer. <laughs> it's the most wonderful time of the year. Oh, wait, the second verse? It's the roast, roastiest division of them all. With those Dave Gettleman gaffes and those Dallas delusions, Washington has a racist team name. <laughs> it's the roast, roastiest division of them all. Very well done, buddy. Thank you. Well, it wasn't me. It was Alan Williams. Uh, but yeah, thank you. I'll, I will relay the message. And of course, Jimmy, as you know, BGN Radio is presented to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Now you can eat the same meat snacks that the Eagles do. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15, that's BGN15, at checkout for 15% off orders of $50 or more. I had Fal Capone, by the way. Delicious. Nice. There you go. Get it. You can get it with BGN15 at RighteousFelon.com. Jimmy, we can't even delay any further. This is a huge week. Yes. It is the Dumpster Fire Series week, which everyone loves, obviously. It's a huge, huge thing. You've been doing this for, what, like 50 years now, right? It's been a while, yeah. I did. I started doing them, um, I think I started it when I was with uh, 
philly.com. Uh, so I guess it would have been like 2013 I started doing these. Or maybe it was before. I don't remember exactly. But I've been doing them long enough. And they suck to do. Like they are <laughs> not fun to write. Be- I mean, they really aren't. Because like they got to be bulletproof. Like you can't just kind of throw some stuff out there. and Because it's going to get picked apart by mm-hmm. like the fans of the uh, the other teams. The Eagles one is easy to do, I should say that, because I've already written, you know, I've written everything I possibly can about this team <laughs> with nothing going on, especially. So, like, that's easy. Like, it's easy to find the Eagles' 10 biggest problems, you know, issues, reasons for concern, whatever, heading into the season. That's nothing. But the, the three other teams, are, you know, I don't follow them. as I, Like, I know them well enough, but I don't follow them, obviously, as closely as I do the Eagles. So they're really hard to do because if you, like, have some kind of fact wrong or if you just have, like, even one dumb point – then like the fans of those teams will just jump all over you. So I really go out of my way to make sure that those are like airtight. And as a result, they suck, like it sucks to do them. I love the reaction afterward, but uh, it, it is a, a series that I don't really look forward to doing. But like while they're getting published, they're a lot of fun. And then after they're over, I'm relieved that I don't have to worry about them for another year. Everyone loves them too. The the, the reaction is universally <laughs> well. I'm mean, not universally because obviously the fans get upset of their own <laughs> yes. team, but but all the other fans, they're certainly of not that team, usually love them a lot. So why don't yes. we just dive right in, Jimmy, with the first team, Washington? Yeah, I did Washington third, and the I always lead off with the Cowboys, but uh, we'll start off here with Washington. <laughs> I think it's more fun to write these when the te- like the other teams are actually good. So it's more fun, you know, tearing down a team that like actually has some talent. But with like the Giants in Washington, it's just so easy to pick <laughs> on them. So it's like kind of like less fun going through their roster. The thing that really stood out to me the most about this team is they just have like a ton of players that like you're like I don't even know who that guy is. Mm. <laughs> you know, like like uh, I and I put like the the clip in from uh, Major League where. They're showing like people around town, like reading the paper and looking at like a preview of the team or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know they're like Mitchell, Mitchell Friedman, <laughs> Mitchell, Mitchell Friedman. You know it's like uh, Willie uh, Willie Hayes, Ricky Vaughn. I've never heard of these guys. There's a lot of that going on with the roster. But I think for me, you know, obviously I think you start with any team with the quarterback. What what is your feeling on on Dwayne Haskins? Not a fan. I... Okay. Remember watching him last year when he first came in? I had an open mind. I didn't really have a strong opinion either way about him. Sure. Uh, like from Ohio State. So I had a pretty open mind. And I was like, all right, I'll see what this guy's about. And I remember, you know, just watching him. And I think I said this during the season last year when we were previewing uh, the second Washington game. He just reminded me of when I saw Mitchell Trubisky during his rookie year. And that he just looked like lost out there at times. Okay. Like he didn't look ready. He didn't know what he was doing. Now, of course, I said that before the Eagles game, and he did pretty well against He them. had a good game against the Eagles, yeah. But that was one game against, you know, a defense that just wasn't as good against the road <laughs> right. as, like, Ronald Darby coming off injury and starting. So so I think some of it was the Eagles defense also just being, like, terrible in that game. I, I'm not really impressed. I thought, you know, for any good moments he had, I thought there was a, a lot more questions still to be answered there. And I am I'm not the biggest Dwayne Haskins believer. Yeah, he held onto the ball for um, a long time. You know, per drop back, I forget what that number actually was. It, it was like longest in the NFL. It, 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 it was heading into the Eagles game. By the time the season was over, I guess that like they there's just that one game thereafter. 
I guess he was he got it out quickly or <laughs> a little mm-hmm. more quickly in that last game because he wasn't the worst in the NFL anymore. But um, his sack percentage last year was 12.5%. So on 12.5% of his dropbacks, he got sacked. And that was the second worst over the last decade. It was actually the second worst over the last, I think it was 14 years, but I didn't want to put 14 years because that just, you know, because you know, like in that 15th year, there's somebody that was worse, you know? So mm-hmm. I just did like the last decade. And uh, the guy who, the only guy that had a worse sack percentage, ironically, was uh, RG3. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the year after he came back from that injury and they rushed him back too quickly and he wound up taking some punishment that year so uh the last two quarterbacks with a sack percentage that high were both from the team from landover maryland and jimmy i just mentioned ronald darby ronald darby is starting for washington at quarterback yeah so i I got some that was that was the one thing that i got heat on from all from from any of the three teams that i covered Uh, that was the one pushback that i got was that you know they signed uh kyle fuller this offseason so Mm. i had darby and um Fabian Moreau as their starting corners. Fuller is I, like I'm, it's unclear like what kind of role he's going to play. It's possible like he starts on guy. the yeah. It's possible that he starts on the outside because he's better than Darby uh, or Moreau. You know when he was in Washington before he played in the slot in Kansas City, he played both outside in the slot and he finished his time there at safety. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's necessarily a, a certainty that he's going to be a starter on the outside. In fact, anywhere I looked. Like any depth chart that you look at, they had Darby and Moreau as the two outside starting corners. So, um, yeah, I mean, those corners are they're, – they're not good. I mean, they're, they're worse for sure than what the Eagles have at, at corner and probably what they had last year too, if that's even possible. But Darby, really bad year last year. Like, to the and not only – not like he was always kind of like iffy in terms of his availability and his durability, but he's just so bad last year. I think the biggest problem with him was his tackling. And then uh, there's some pretty funny clips of uh, Fabian Moreau just getting destroyed on routes. I included one of them in the article. But uh, he had a pretty bad year initially. He kind of uh, got a little better as the season went along. But, yeah, their their secondary was bad last year, and it's going to be bad again this year. And really, I mean, when you look at this team's projection, there are like a lot of, you know, whatever kind of projections have them – contending for the number one overall pick really this year like yeah that speaks to the point of just the lack of talent on this roster the one thing that they do have that has potential to be great is their defensive front yeah but that's not what this series is about jimmy that's not i know (laughs) but i think i think we should just mention that when i publish these things they're all about you know negative don't mention any of the pauses or whatever but here i will note quickly right five former uh First round, first round picks. picks. So Chase Young this year, I think he's going to be awesome. Right out, right out, right, you know, right out of the right out of the gate. You know, you have Ryan Kerrigan, who's been kind of like borderline Hall of Famer. I was going to say borderline Hall of Famer, yeah. And then you have Jonathan Allen, uh, who looks good. You have Deron Payne, who they took a couple years ago in the first round. Montez Sweat quietly had a pretty decent uh, rookie year last year. And then they have like these other guys, like Matt Ioannidis. You look at his production. Yeah, I think he's got like 15, 16 sacks over the last two years. As yep. an interior defensive lineman, they have Tim Settle, big guy from from uh, Virginia Tech. Ryan Anderson mm-hmm. got some playing time last year. He's the guy that like said if he like knows what his name is at the end of his career. He, like, what was the actual quote from that guy? Did you see that? He'll have played the NFL wrong if he can remember his grandkids' names. That's it. Okay, like really, Great. but uh, he's got some talent too. So I mean, they are they are loaded on that defensive front. Aside from that. And aside from Terry McLaurin, I mean, they just got nothing. 
They have nothing on offense. Like the, the the another thing I pointed out early in that in that piece was their offensive line. I mean, last year they had Trent Williams hold out for the entire season. Bruce Allen and, and Trent Williams got into this gigantic pissing match and that neither of them won. And then this offseason they finally trade him. I'm actually surprised they got as much as they did for, for him. They got a third round pick in I I think the third round pick was in the next draft, the fifth yeah. round pick in this past draft. Or uh, could that could be reversed? But they got a three and a five, so they have like a a couple of two or three young guys that that'll be fighting for that spot. Uh, Sadiq Charles they drafted in this in you know the, the 2020 draft. Cornelius Lucas is free agent uh, pickup, and then a guy they took in the third round a few years ago who's been a disappointment for them. And I I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's either Jaron, I think it's Jaron, Jaron uh, Christian. Left tackle is going to be a problem for them more than likely. They signed Wes Schweitzer. Another uh, Mitchell Friedman <laughs> on their roster uh, from Atlanta. He's their left guard, and then they sort of have like a like a replacement level guy in uh, Chase Roulier playing center. I mean, I maybe I might be selling Chase Roulier a little bit short. He's he's an average average starter, I'd say. But the left side of their line really has uh, the makings of of uh, some potential trouble. By the way, Derek Barnett, if he doesn't produce against these teams, mm. Nate Solder for the Giants then uh, I think there's real room for, for concern with him. Yeah, so, I mean, you just look at this roster. Like I said again, there's just not a whole lot to be excited by. You specifically mentioned that Jeremy Sprinkle again. Yeah. Who is that? <laughs> is there, like, starting tight end? <laughs> yes. Richard Rodgers is one of their top tight ends, I guess. He's probably yeah. their number two tight end, yeah. I do like Ron Rivera, if I have to say something positive about this Washington yeah. team. Uh, although I I was reading Hogs Haven, the Washington version of Bleeding Green Nation. They they do a good series. A guy over there named Bill in Bangkok is his uh, username. Does a really good <laughs> like in-depth breakdown of like uh, different positions in the NFC East and kind of like ranking them and stuff. And one he had for a head coach, though, there was like a poll in the article. It was like, who's the best head coach in the NFC East? And like, it was Rivera, like, but significantly, <laughs> like, over Doug Peterson. And then people yeah, brought okay. that up in the comments. It's like, like are you serious? And they're like, <laughs> right. well, no, well, actually, if you look at the records, it's not all that different. And it's like, right. give me a break. Yeah, that's a little ridiculous. And they're not going to have an offseason, though. That's the thing. Even if, like, you do like Rivera. And I do think Rivera. But hold on. Brings... If that's the argument, Mike McCarthy surely has a way better record than him, right? Yeah. Right? He has uh-huh. to, right? So it, that's silly. That's just, that's <laughs> clear homerism to me. Come on, what are we doing? Like Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl. He's done a lot more with less. Anyway, I don't want to get too bogged down on that. I just wanted to say he, that he's I think, a boring coach, which I think is fine. Like, yeah, like, he brings legitimacy but, to like yes. this totally like dis like totally just joke of an organization. It's like, oh, Ron Rivera, like that's a guy who like kind of knows what he's doing. He's not like a total doofus. He's a former player. Which I think players respect. I think, you know, his track record in the NFL, players do respect and like him. Players talked about him very glowingly after he left uh, Comes Carolina. from a good coaching they, tree. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Comes from the Andy Reid coaching tree, of course. But they could have easily gone out and hired some kind of you know, like Steve, Steve Spurrier. Kind of, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, they, they kind of went the boring route, which I think for that team was the right way to go. What else about Washington, Jimmy? Darius Geis is their guy... Uh, that is just going to frustrate them every year, I think, because <laughs> he's he's got three significant injuries, lower body injuries in his career already. Like you can clearly see that he has talent. He's going to be that guy. It's just really frustrating because he, he just can't stay healthy. Jimmy, two more things I want to say about Washington are your number one point, which I don't think we stopped down on enough, like made clear enough that like, who cares about this team? Really? Like you said, who right. cares about this team? I mean, even like 
within the DMV. I feel like, I mean, obviously there are Washington fans there, but I don't really have experience of that area too. I know like good friend um, Patrick Wall kind of grew up around Virginia. So like he would always kind of hate Washington more than the other NFC's teams because, you know, he would have to deal with those Washington fans. And uh, John Stolness also is kind of like a Washington area guy. I guess those kind of guys, when you're around it, like you dislike him more. But to me, like, I don't even know if I can tell you of any Washington fans that I know, like in my real life. And if they are, like I can think of maybe a couple older guys, but like no one young, like no one young at all. You know, their fans are more realistic, too, about their team. Like they know their team is garbage. (laughs) <laughs> and they know that, like, their organization is garbage. Well, what's that go back to? They know their owner is garbage. So, yes. like, they're fully – they have uh, they have a lot of, fa- you know, like, team awareness about what that – about, you know, what they are. Whereas, mm-hmm. like, the Giants, for example, their fans do not have that same awareness. Mm-hmm. They're under, like, this delusion that they – like, that's some great organization. They're, they've been better than – three teams in the last six years record wise mm. but you're right like, i think your your general point there you know who cares about this team is it's like who cares they're they're not only bad they're also boring their stadium gets taken over by eagles fans every year it's the worst stadium in the nfl by far that i've been to it's just a total joke the owner is a joke the fact that they're still not changing their name is just like obviously just such a joke <laughs> right right jimmy Let's move on from this garbage team. Why don't we okay. why don't we go to break here? Do you have a message for me? Do you have anything to tell me before we go to break? Well, yes. Kristen and Stephanie Roach of Roach Realtors, Brandon. Yeah. They boast over 50 years of combined wow. experience in real estate sales. If you're looking for a new home, they're dedicated to listening intently and matching individuals and families with a home and neighborhood that best fits their needs. And they are expert negotiators who know the market trends and can get you the best price possible. If you're... Looking to sell your home, Kristen and Stephanie understand that buyers more than ever are doing the bulk of their searching for a new home online. So it's paramount that your listing pops off the screens of it pops off the screen and grabs buyers' attention. So they employ professional photographers, including drone photography for overhead shots, experts in interior expert uh, in, in interior and exterior design. They can help stage your home. And I even help them actually write the descriptions of some of the properties. So if you like my writing, then hire them. If you don't like my writing, then hire somebody else, I guess. <laughs> but uh, check out their reviews. Again, Kristen and Stephanie Roach uh, on Zillow.com. You'll find Nary a review that is four stars or less. Five stars across the board for a free consultation or market analysis of your home. Call or text Kristen at 856 856- Nine zero six nine two nine five. I'll repeat that eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Or hell, you can just email me Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. Brandon, back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge—that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 126. 126 with the NFC East roast slash dumpster fire series. We talked about Washington, Jimmy. Now let's start with a team that employs my favorite general manager in the NFL. In my opinion, this guy <laughs> is my favorite general manager, Dave Gettleman of the New York Giants. I mean, don't you have to start with him when you talk about this team? He actually is my favorite uh, GM in the league because he's very Same. entertaining. I, I say he, that I unironically, mean, yes. He really is. He's entertaining and the things he says, like, he's just... Like the things he says is crazy. Like, he's crazy. He he's said age doesn't matter last year. Positional uh, importance doesn't matter. Position, positional crock. value doesn't matter. Yeah, it's a crock. That's what it was. It was a crock. Totally in over his head. And he's been in the league forever too. Which is, <sighs> like it's 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 so weird that like guys like can last in the league as as long as he. Ha- I can't believe they didn't fire him this offseason. Like what does he what does he have to show for? The two years that he was the GM, and they keep him for another year. It's unreal. They hired, they, they fired Pat Shermer. Like, you'd think that'd be an opportunity to just completely overhaul both the coaching staff and the front office. But they're like, you know what? Pat Shermer, you were bad. You got to go. <laughs> Dave Gettleman, uh, you were somehow better at your job than Pat Shermer was. Now, Pat Shermer was bad, clearly. But was Dave Gettleman better at his job than Pat Shermer was at his job? Is that what is that what I'm to understand here? I mean, look at their roster and like, what are you what are you really <laughs> pointing to? That's like, yes, like this is on the rise. This is promising. Like, is that really what you're telling me with Daniel Jones? And even if it is, like, okay, that's one thing. Look at the rest of the roster. Yeah, I mean, they, they have Saquon, but they had to take they they used him with a second overall pick. That's a that's an indictment. That's <laughs> a joke. Yeah, that's, yes, like that's laughable. The record I, I mentioned before. There's only three teams with a worse record of the last uh, six years than the Giants. Uh, over that span, they're, th- they're 35 and 61 for a uh, winning percentage of 365. They actually had a um, an eight and four record over that span over Washington. So if you take those 12 games out, they're 27 and 57 for a 321 winning percentage. The only teams with worse records, did you did you read? Can you guess them? Did you read this? Do you already know what the what the answer is? Uh, I'm gonna get. Yeah, I did. But I, the Browns, one of them's obvious. Yeah, Browns. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Now I'm seeing it here. The Jags are second, and then you have the Bucks first overall. Yeah, and at least the Jaguars made it to an AFC Championship game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like at least they have something to show for. Giants did make the playoffs once within that span. Yeah, but that was such like a fluky year. They had an easy schedule. They got blown out. Yeah. That was the boat. It's all been downhill. Yes, right. As soon as uh, OBJ was on that boat. It really hasn't gone all downhill for them. But they, they, they had, their point differential was really low. I think they were like 11 and 5. They won yeah. a lot of like, Against they won a lot of games too. by like one, two or three points. It was pretty, it was pretty obvious that it was going to turn around the next year. Like they weren't going to have that same kind of luck. And that's exactly what happened. But they, they've, they've become in recent years. I mean, obviously they, they have the two semi recent Super Bowls, I guess. Like the last one being in 2011, mm-hmm. but really in, in the last, you know, half decade plus, they've, they, they're they one of the worst teams in the NFL. Every year when the Eagles play them, it's like a free win. Like that's, I know some of the games have been close 
and the Eagles have had to come back. But, like, are you really scared of the Giants at all? To me, I really <laughs> right. just assume it's always – like, we're going through the schedule of this year predicting wins and losses. How can yes. you possibly predict the Giants <laughs> to beat the Eagles? Like, you can't do it. Like, until you yeah. actually see it happen. <laughs> right. They're 20-4 and four now or something like that in, in the last 24 games. Like, that's insane. Like, division games are tough. Like, I don't care – you know, usually like that's that's an accomplishment for the Eagles to be able to do that. It's also an indictment of the Giants and how just miserable they've been because like, you know, division things, weird things can happen. Those games can be closer than you expect. And there have been some meaningless like week 17 games in there, too. But even despite all that, like <laughs> the Eagles have just dominated this team. And part of it has just been the Giants have been awful. Their defense, entirely shreddable, except for like that one year where it was good. And I mean, Eli Manning, obviously, it was a huge joke and overstayed his welcome. And the Giants were so dumb to hold on to him for as long as they did. I mean, it's just this entire joke of a team. They've been a joke of a team. I guess people feel like they have hope now because they have Daniel Jones. And I feel like Daniel Jones uh, exceeded my expectations. I think he exceeded expectations as a whole. I would whole, agree with that. Yeah. As a rookie. Uh-huh. I don't think he's a lost cause. I don't like. I think, no, I think he's got he's got some talent. I'm with yeah. you there. He, he makes some like legit. I know you, the Danny Dime is a nickname you hate, but like he legitimately makes some <laughs> yeah. like legit like dime throws. Like he, yes. he makes some legitimately like wow throws. Uh, yeah, so I think he has talent. I'm definitely higher on him than I am Dwayne Haskins. I just think he showed more. But uh, you kind of wrote here, Jimmy. Yeah, yeah. The big flaw in his game is is the turnovers. I mean, similar in some ways to Carson Wentz with the fumbling, yeah. but not similar in any way to Carson Wentz with the number of, you know, interceptions that he threw last year. So there was only one game that he, that he played last year where uh, he didn't have a turnover. And that was week yeah. 16 against Washington mm-hmm. on the season. He had 12 picks. He had uh, 11 fumbles lost. Uh, and he only became the starter in week three and he missed two games late in the season. So he only started the number of turnovers that he has is kind of crazy. And when you actually look at them, so I pulled video of every turnover that he had, like some of the fumbles are like, you know, blindside hits where, or like a blindside guy reaching out and like knocking the ball out of his hands as he's throwing. You don't really blame him for those maybe, but there's a lot of careless ones where he shouldn't have, (laughs) he just just flat out shouldn't have fumbled. And then some of the interceptions are just bad. Like we're not talking like, like in the article, uh, yeah, I remember like a big thing that Giants fans used to do back in the day. They just blame every Eli interception on Ruben Randall, (laughs) like Ruben Randall ran the wrong route. Ruben Randall uh, didn't catch the ball and it shot up in the air and it got picked. It's all Ruben Randall's fault. Anytime there's any Eli blame to go around, they point to Ruben Randall. So there's no Ruben Randall scenario going on with his picks. Like they're all like either bad throws, bad decisions, or a combination of the two. So he's got to get a lot better in terms of uh, decision making and also just taking better care of the football because if he turns the ball over, like as his career progresses, the way that he is, he's basically just going to be Jay Cutler. I think he snowballs. I really do. Like I, I remember specifically watching that Week Seven game against the Cardinals last year, and I think he was like looking okay for a bit, but then like late in the game, he just like totally fell apart. Like he was pressing, he's just trying to do too much, and maybe you know that's something you kind of work on. He was a rookie. I think that's also just like a bad hallmark in quarterbacks. Like you see, where like okay, you know how the, how do they respond to a mistake? And I think with Jones like he's clearly just kind of he's snowballing like you see these numbers like it's it's like okay he has three two turnovers like it it, it comes it just like it's, it's like a bad start and then it just gets worse I think that's a, a thing with him and uh yeah like you said I mean that the specifically the fumble that Jamal Adams just literally just runs up to him and like takes the ball out of his hands <laughs> like some yes. of the carelessness <laughs> right. is really yes. bad and I, I remember going back last year and I don't have it in front of me now and I didn't 
I don't think I tracked it through the end of the year, but I was like looking back at his turnover slash fumble numbers through college and like they're horrible. Like going, yes. even going back to Duke. Like, so this has always been an issue. This isn't even just like a bad rookie season. Like this was a big issue at Duke for him. So like, I don't think it's just totally going away. Yeah. 36 games at Duke. I don't know how many fumbles total he had, but I know that he lost 13 fumbles mm-hmm. and in college, that's not good. Yeah. So like, you know, in the NFL, like these guys are, all, you know, they're a lot better in the NFL at ripping the ball away than they are in college. So if you had 13 lost fumbles in three years at Duke. That is really a bad stat. So it's not just a fluky thing that happened in his rookie season in the NFL that goes back to his time in college. He's still dealing with an offensive line that is not uh, certainly at the very least is not among the league's best. Right. How would you assess their offensive line, Jimmy? Yeah. So, I mean, their worst player last year on the O-line was Nate Solder, who is also who also happens to be now the, the I mean, before it was Eli, but now that he's gone, he is now their highest paid player, hmm. which is crazy. Like Another the, Gettleman the, special. The, <laughs> the deal that they gave him just it never made any. So I understand like overpaying for a left tackle when you are what they were because they had Eric Flowers as their left tackle. And, you know, there are. There were times where, you know, the opposing right defensive end would just, you know, completely wreck the game because Eric Flowers couldn't block him. So I understand the idea of like maybe overpaying for an offensive tackle that offseason, but not him. Like he was he was going to be he was going to turn 30 years old in like a month when they signed him. So when they signed him, he was like 29 years and 11 months old. And they they gave him the, the highest offensive line deal in history at the time it was four years 62 million and like they weren't good and they weren't going to be good for a long time so the idea of giving a 30 year old left tackle the money that he got when the team by the time they were going to get good it was highly likely that Soder was going to go into decline it's just such a mind-blowingly dumb thing to do and then they also traded sort of part of the OBJ deal so they traded OBJ for a one and peppers and then separately they traded olivier vernon for kevin zeitler the the right guard zeitler's getting up there in age too so it's kind of the same thing like they traded you know their best pass rusher basically for uh, a guy that was he's not as old as solder but again the same concept where by the time the giants are going to be good like that guy's going to probably be in decline so he just wanted to fix the offensive line but no thought amazingly into the age of these players and how they're going to fit into the team's plan long term bad jimmy it's not a good situation <laughs> pro, pro football focus had solder down for uh, 11 sacks last year that's where like my research kind of began on him during you know while writing this so i watched every giant sack on the season and I got through like the first five or six games. Almost all these are solder so far. Like, did he get a lot better as the season went along? And I'm thinking that can't be right because I know that like Vinny Curry got him for two yeah. last year. So I know those are coming down the line. And they just kept coming and coming. Like, I I had him down for at 18. least being at least part at least partly culpable. Like, I wouldn't necessarily put the sack on him for all of these, but at least partly culpable for 19 of their sacks last year and seven forced fumbles. Yes, at least one of them was returned for a touchdown. It might have been two, mm. but he he kind of has an excuse. I didn't realize this until later, but I guess he his kid was diagnosed with with uh, I believe it was Hodgkins. Jeez! So he did spend a lot of time during the season 
in the hospital with his mm-hmm. kid. So he's that probably played a. I mean, sure. not probably. It certainly yeah. played a part in his bad season last year. But uh, nevertheless, heading into this season, that that is a, uh, a a troublesome spot. As is, you know, other parts of of their offensive lines, namely center. They have a guy named Spencer Pulley's replacement level guy. They have Andrew Thomas, who they drafted with the fourth overall pick. Which fine, I understand. You need you need to build up your offensive line. Mm-hmm. There wasn't you know an obvious player that they should have taken instead of him. But again, you're looking at a rookie playing at right tackle. You want to list some of the guys he's going to have to face next year? Brandon Graham. Yeah, I have it right here. <laughs> Marcus Lawrence twice, <laughs> yeah. Chase Young slash Ryan Kerrigan twice, Brandon Graham twice, Khalil Mack, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Eric Arik Armstead, D. Ford, Matt Judon, the Ravens, Isaiah Simmons, and then Jason Pierre-Paul. Like that's brutal. That's like yeah. that's that's on a similar level as like what Lane Johnson had to face the year the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Mm. So he's in for he's in for probably some welcome to the NFL moment. So yeah, again, like their 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 pass rushes or I'm sorry, not their pass. Well, their pass rush is going to be bad too. We'll get to that in a second. But mm-hmm. their pass protection is really going to be in for for you know another rough season, I believe. Yeah, and you just said it there. Their pass rush isn't good either. They're just not good in the trenches. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. They're okay against the run. Like, D- Doug yeah. Doug would, would tell us, like, uh, off the record during the season that, you know, he, he felt like they had a really good run defense. And they better. Like, and like they're mm-hmm. all huge up front. Their three interior linemen are Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, and Leonard Williams. Well, Leonard Williams they picked up during the season last year. Mm-hmm. But those are, you know, those are all 300-plus pound guys. And Dexter Lawrence is like, you know, like 340, 350, Dalvin Tomlinson's way up there. So, I mean, they better be good at stopping the run, you know? So, uh, but they, they aren't good at, at getting to the quarterback. They're two edge rushers that have shown the most so far. And they're both young guys in uh, Lorenzo Carter and uh, Zimenez. Uh, Old Dominion, was, it, was he from? They both had four and a half sacks each uh, last year. So maybe there's some optimism for those guys. You know, those are essentially their leading sackers returning this year. Are Zimenez and Carter, both with 4.5. And then the three interior guys that I mentioned last year, they combined for six sacks last year. So not at all an intimidating... Like, you look at Washington's front compared to this front. Like, Washington's, Mm -hmm. I don't know, their seventh or eighth best pass rusher is probably the Giants' best pass rusher. Yeah, it's not a good group. And, you know, the secondary is also... (laughs) Like, they're still... And and the linebacker... Like, the defense as a whole is just not really anything. Like, who are you scared of on that defense? I mean... Nothing. If you're trying to run the ball up the middle, maybe you're scared of that. Like, you don't... Maybe you don't love that because they had some good run stuffers, like you mentioned. But, I mean, the secondary, exposable. I thought Blake Martinez is a classic, like, Dave Gettleman signing in that... Oh, Blake Martinez... Blake Martinez, like, there's a recognizable name. He started yeah. for the Packers. He's compiled stats, but, like, he's slow. You you have him down here for a 4.7. Um, not good in coverage by all accounts. And, like, so he's not even, like, a modern NFL linebacker, you know? And that's clearly, you know, not Dave Gettleman's MO or, or forte, if you will, kind of being a modern football guy. And really, that comes down to, like, just to sum it up here about the Giants, like, that kind of comes down to it for me. Why, like, why would you take this team seriously? when the guy in charge of this roster is just like a total joke, doesn't know what he's doing. And then <laughs> right. I don't even know what to make of Joe Judge. I know, you know, we've gone over here before that you don't like him or you're, <laughs> right. you're skeptical. And I get it, but I kind of just don't know either way. If I had to say, like if I have to take a side here and have a take, I would say I'm not optimistic because he's inexperienced, first year head coach without this offseason. And you just look at the Belichick coaching tree and it's not very good. It's very bad, actually. 
I think the indicators there aren't positive. I will allow for he's just such an unknown that there could be upside. I don't know. I just that's like kind of me throwing darts at the wall. I guess that's what you're kind of selling yourself on. If you're a Giants fan, you're like, well, maybe it could go right. I don't, I don't know, but that doesn't seem like the best case. So, so yeah, I think the Giants stink. They're in a total spot where like they don't deserve benefit of the doubt at all. They they totally have to be a prove you wrong kind of team. Yeah, admittedly, on the judge point, I am judging judge. Mm, uh, maybe nice. a little a little early there. Because we haven't seen him, we haven't seen like bad game plans from him yet. We haven't seen dumb down and distance type decisions yet. Like, is he punting on fourth and two from the 38? You know what I mean? So we haven't seen anything like that yet. But just the notion that he just refused to mention any player's name for almost four months after he got hired. Like, could you imagine a coach doing that in Philly? Wouldn't fly. Like, it would just become sort of like almost a challenge to see who could get him to name a player first. But he mm-hmm. would, we, like, if that happened in Philly, everyone would just make fun of him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird how, like, the New York media kind of gets this reputation as, you know, being all hard. Not at all. Like, it's I not kinda a football town. <laughs> I kind of don't see that at all, where he was able to just kind of get away with that without being totally uh criticized is maybe the wrong word but like why what what, what is this what is this i guess they did ask that and they he did give an answer but i i i feel like he would have gotten killed for that in philly would have you know a bit you would have mentioned some names a little earlier than he than he had but like you wouldn't even you wouldn't even like like at the combine for example he got asked if uh like what he liked about daniel jones and he was just like, I'm not, I'm not talking about any players. Like, mm-hmm. it's just such a layup to just go, yeah, I think he's smart and he does this, that, and the other thing good. And yeah. like, uh, that's it. It's a non-story. You don't, you don't have to commit to anything. Just, I, I think he's good at this, this, and this. The, the, th- the theory that I think makes some sense with the Belichick disciples is that they enter their jobs with sort of a hubris that they've accomplished a lot. Mm-hmm. when really they don't have the clout at all like a Bill Belichick does, but they feel like maybe they do or they should or they want to sort of coach their new team the way that Belichick has. And Belichick can get away with that because he's Belichick. Mm-hmm. But these guys can't, so... And they had a Hall of Fame quarterback. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's part of it too. But I mean, there's no question that like Belichick can does command sort of the uh respect yeah, the, the respect of his players but these guys that get hired from his tree they come they go to these new places and then they don't have that same respect from the players and it kind of falls apart or that's it, it feels like that has happened with some of these belichick disciples in the past i'm not saying that's happening here but there is a little bit of a hint of that with the not not mentioning players names which again it's just weird Jimmy, before we get to the final team here in the NFC, yes, the Dallas Cowboys, which I know everyone is really waiting for because that's the best one, obviously. Uh, I want to let you know, Jimmy, that BJN Radio is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the meat snacks that fuel your Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and Snack Sticks are served at the Eagles Novacare Complex Fueling Station, where players get their pre- and post-workout protein fix. If it's good enough for the Eagles, it's got to be good enough for you BGN radio listeners too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. It uses locally sourced all-natural black Angus beef and is committed to elevating the meat snacks category with superior quality and creative branding. You can try all the flavors. Jimmy talked about his favorite, the what, Falcapone Falcapone, yes. 
So there's a lot of different options. Definitely try them all. Why not? There's a bunch of good flavors. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 at checkout to get 15% off your order. There's no limit on how many times you can use the discount code. So use BGN15 and make like your favorite team and load up on the same meat snacks the Philadelphia Eagles do. Jimmy, back after this. BGN15. <laughs> 